Hi, everybody, and welcome in to the December edition of the Vasculitis Visionaries podcast. I am Ben Wilson, your host. We are without, sadly, today, uh, Kaylee Bynes, the normal co-host of this podcast. But I want to give a, a special shout-out to, uh, to Kaylee as she and her husband, Peter. They just welcomed their first child into the world. So incredibly exciting times uh, as Kaylee is, is, is out for now, but uh, having just given birth, certainly uh, a worthwhile excuse. And we did not want to uh, for, force her back into duty to return on the podcast, at least for this month. So uh, if, for those of you who, uh, who follow along with us on Twitter, be sure to congratulate Kaylee. Give her a shout out at uh, Kaylee Bynes on Twitter. So I'll be riding solo on this one, but fear not. You don't have to listen to me for the whole time. We've got an outstanding guest. It is a, a guest we've been trying to uh, to get on the podcast basically this entire season, and we're finally able to do so in our final episode of this 2021 season. That is Dr. Linda Wagner-Weiner, who is one of the leading experts in pediatric rheumatology as a whole. She is right now spearheading a brand new website being constructed by the Childhood Arthritis and Rheumatology Research Alliance, or CARA, as I at least I know it, know it as, uh, and uh, they are in the process of creating basically a brand new website that is specifically dealing with pediatric vasculitis as a whole. It's, a, it's been a massive undertaking, and I'm really excited to, to have her on the podcast today to share some of the specifics on that, how it's come about, and, and what all of the details are around that, and, and some of the challenges as well for trying to build out a, basically a website from scratch is what she is doing. But as somebody who has been basically in the field for the last four decades in Chicago and has been a lead investigator on a bunch of long-term studies over the years that she's done a lot in clinical research through NIH as well as the Arthritis Foundation and the Lupus Foundation of America. So it's not just in vasculitis that, uh, that she has done a lot of uh, work on. And uh, she's also been an outstanding educator, lecturer, reviewer for scientific journals, uh, including the Pediatric Rheumatology Journal as well. So she is, uh, she is truly a star in our community within vasculitis, has done a tremendous amount for the pediatric rheumatology community as well. And we're really excited to get her on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's get to Dr. Linda Wagner-Weiner. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Amgen and Genentech. So enjoy. Final episode of 2021. It's Dr. Linda Wagner-Weiner, and she is coming up right after this. All right, let's welcome in our guest. It is, again, the final episode of our 2021 season here on the Vasculitis Visionaries podcast with Dr. Linda Wagner-Weiner, joining us from the windy city of Chicago, which it led to such a dear place in my heart. It's where my parents met in medical school many moons ago at Loyola, where my dad did his residency. And, uh, and now we get to speak with you. It's actually where I also met so many of my vasculitis friends at, uh, at the symposium there in Chicago back in uh, 2017. And it's crazy to think that as we have our symposium coming up in uh, July 2022, it's been five, five whole years since then. And we are, we're so grateful to have you on. As I said in the introduction, you are incredibly busy. You are doing so many different things. And as I understand, you have a pretty, uh, pretty special birthday coming up. So what, like, what all is a, is a day in the life for you right now? I have to imagine things are, are pretty hectic here as we ramp up toward the new year. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here on your podcast. Uh, Chicago is quite the city and uh, having the Vasculitis Foundation here and several conferences here. We have a wonderful variety of patients that I see at the University of Chicago, where I've been working for just about 40 years. And it's uh, been quite a, an experience. One never envisions where they're going to be when they start their profession many years later. 
but I'm very happy the, the way that it's developed. And it was serendipity like many things in life. It is hard to believe, as you say, almost 40 years and you've, you've been a part of as we, again, we, not, we, not to make you sit through all of this as we introduced you and your impressive background, all the different uh, parts of, of the medical field you have, you have seen and seen developed in over the years and really the latest project now that you're getting into, we'll, we'll start with this since it's something that I've been fortunate enough to at least be a, have play a small role in. And I have been very grateful for your inclusion on this. And I know uh, Kaylee, our normal podcast co-host who, as we said at the top of, I know she wishes she could be here as she is still on, on maternity leave and uh, certainly an exciting time for Kaylee, but uh, she's also part of, of the website being done. So uh, we think about the, the pediatric vasculitis website that is a, a huge undertaking in the latest endeavor that you've really uh, been spearheading that, that campaign through the CARA organization. I, I wonder first, you know, when, I, when Kaylee and I were both brought in trying to get the, the patient perspective here and, and helping contribute to the website, obviously the, the site as a whole had had some sort of development and, and there were already certain stages that had been, uh, had been completed there. I'm curious just like how in the first place does a project like that come about where, where you think about how large of an undertaking just a giant website is like that, where how like, just thinking back to when the very first concept of that even began, uh, what was the, the process like just to get everything started with, uh, with Kara and, and the website that is now in kind of a work in progress as we are getting ready towards the, the launch here in early 2022? I believe it's a grassroots initiated project. And I believe it developed or the seedlings of it developed in 2018 when we were at one of the Vasculitis Foundation conferences with families, patients and families. And, and that's when I first met the phenomenal Vasculitis Foundation mentors. And there seemed to be a lack of official sites for parents and kids to go to when they were given a diagnosis of diseases they never even heard of. And in, in talking to the families and the patients, and, and they've been key, we developed an idea of what a website would need to contain to be helpful to them. And it is understood and known by many of the people what a fantastic website exists right now for the Vasculitis Foundation. But like almost everything in research in vasculitis and in care in vasculitis, it centers around adults. And we extrapolate the information from adults and put it to kids, but we all know kids aren't little adults and there's so many special needs that the kids need addressed as well as families. So we decided that we would uh, undertake this venture or adventure in a way to uh, see what we can put together. The people working on this project are volunteering their time and we needed to pull from all different talents. So we have rheumatology doctors, we have some other subspecialists like nephrology, dermatology, we're trying to get someone in pulmonary. We have nurses that work specifically with pediatric rheumatology patients, psychologists, social worker, we'd like to get a rehab person to work with us. Essential are the patients and families that are participating because they bring a unique perspective. And then Joyce uh, Coleman is, is uh, indispensable. She's phenomenal to help us to have a platform on which to put this website. And then the wonderful Vasculitis Foundation young mentors who have the perspective of being diagnosed when they were younger 
with pediatric vasculitides, at the same time, having gone through college and developing a profession and their social and personal lives, they have the maturity to help younger people. And, and that's been essential in developing this website. Right, and you think too, in mentioning Joyce Coleman, our standing executive director of the Vasculitis Foundation, you think about how already thorough the Vasculitis Foundation website is as a whole. I'm sure it would have been super easy to just say, all right, let's just put like a tab that says pediatrics and just, you know, <laughs> throw it on the website. But, but clearly, and this has obviously gone back for several years now, and by the time the project is, is completely done and everything is published, again, in early, early next year, going to be basically, as you, you say, probably what, three and a half, four years from the original conception idea of the project. So why, like, why not just throw a tab on an existing website? I mean, why go so thorough? Is it really just, have you seen so much more on, on, the, on the pediatric side? And also just as you have been so, you know, so heavily involved in the research elements of, of this too, has it been kind of a, in a way a response to how many more people being diagnosed younger and younger as, as time has gone on and we have gotten better and we have gotten better uh, at least from the technological standpoint and diagnosis standpoint of being able to get those diagnoses younger and more uh, accurately. Was that, was that the real central cause behind this or were there other factors there as well? I think there was a real need from families. And I think that as time went on, as we developed more of a subspecialty of pediatric rheumatology, which only became a recognized subspecialty of pediatrics in the 1990s, I originally didn't have to take board exams <laughs> and we were grandfathered in, but now we do. And with that, we were able to develop team, treatment teams, which did include nurses and social workers, psychologists. And you realize that you really, it takes a village to treat these kids with chronic vasculitides that um, are rare. And so we really wanted to not just have a link to a few other things. We wanna make it a user-friendly website and it's gonna be dynamic because we can't publish everything at once. We're going to publish the key parts, which I'll let you know in a moment, uh, but we're going to be adding on to it. And then of course it has to be dynamic because of new research that's coming up or new programs or new um, opportunities that are available to our kids. Um, and so it, um, it just, it, it, it's lacking in that there are other websites, for example, there's um, more written for children with arthritis, with juvenile arthritis, maybe a little bit more for lupus. In Europe, they have a, a website for pediatric rheumatology in general, and they have a pretty nice vasculitis section, but it doesn't go into all the areas that we want to go into, especially the psychosocial and other aspects. Yeah, and you think, I mean, you mentioned as well, the whole idea of it being a dynamic website and and how it is, I, I guess in today's day and age, you're in 2021, so hard just to make like a rigid site that is never going to be updated. And you, especially when it comes to vasculitis as a whole, I mean, think about the ACR and the guidelines now just finally, uh, the final meetings being held and, and published. It, it made me feel like kind of an idiot because here I was on some of our podcasts earlier in the summer being like, all right, ACR, they're coming out, be ready for them. And now we're in, in December and I am obviously, I am, I am the one late to the party just now realizing, uh, yeah, this is a long process. It does not happen overnight. Uh, these, these things, even though I was a part of the very first meetings back in whatever, 2018, 2019, uh, it is, is such a, a long process too. And so when you think about now all the different elements, it, it, I mean, it does kind of seem right. Like the, that website, it's going to be an evolutionary tool. It's never going to be, I, I would imagine that's kind of your goal here. It's never like a hundred percent always solidified. There's always the idea being there's going to be new research that comes out and more that you can uh, that you can add. 
even though that doesn't sound on the surface like it's you know it kind of seems like there's something there that is missing and that needs to be added but isn't that just kind of speak to where where we're at as a as a research uh, society i guess as a whole especially with uh, you know with vasculitis type things absolutely it's like life in general it's, it's evolving yeah. and we have to be aware of what's um happening I can just go back to why I'm in pediatric rheumatology. My very uh, first patient uh, when I was a third year resident had severe, what we called Wegener's at that time or GPA. And she was very ill such as she was in the hospital for a month. And after treating her for a month, the rheumatologist said, well, I'd like to go into peds rheumatology. I said, I have no idea what it entails. I don't know much about it. She said, that's a good reason to go into it. A very exciting and dynamic field. So. Uh, with regard to what we'd like to do with this site, we, we're not reinventing the wheel because we already have a nice outline for so many things with the Vasculitis Foundation current website. We can go to the Arthritis Foundation, we can go to the uh, CARA website, which is the Children's Arthritis and Rheumatology Research Alliance, and each of them have little sections that we might be able to uh, appreciate and, and might be helpful. Uh, in addition, we're pulling in talents of um, several people when we meet on monthly Zooms. For example, there's a wonderful rheumatologist who loves vasculitis up in Canada, Dr. Bensler, and she's provided us with an animated film that we're going to put on, which is about four or five minutes long, which goes through what is vasculitis and goes through medical terminology and shows little vessels and kids and and white cells and inflammation and it's it's going to be very helpful uh, for families we're also going to as as everyone knows it's it's very difficult to classify vasculitides it's done on different um, aspects most commonly vessel size involvement you could also look at it from adult versus peds you know for example um, you have giant cell arteritis, which you just really see in adults, but you have Kawasaki's and maybe Henoch, and Purple, which you see mostly in kids. So there's many different ways to look at it. We are going to focus on the chronic vasculitis, vasculitis of childhood. So we're not going to be looking at Kawasaki. We may have some links to good websites for that or Henoch-Schoenlein purpura, HSP. We're going to be focusing on the ANC-associated vasculitis, which would include granulomatosis with polyangiitis, microscopic polyangiitis, um, renal disease that's isolated, that's ANC associated. We're gonna have a section on eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangiitis, polyarteritis nodosa, Takayasu, and Bechet's. And we're also gonna have a small section that's going to just have links to other areas that will introduce some of the very rare vasculities that we now see now that we now see, which are um, genetically associated, such as DADA2 and SAVI, which to tell you the truth, I've never seen because they are so rare, but we're going to be defining more vasculitides and more entities as we uh, associate with the human genome and, and various genetic mm -hmm. um, abnormalities that uh, show up, as we well know, when we tried to diagnose ANCA-associated vasculitides 25 years ago, there was really not much ANCA. We didn't, we didn't have that as a, as a test. Uh, so it's, um, that's what we're going to focus on from the pure medical viewpoint. In addition, have a section on medications. How are medications different in kids versus adults? For example, kids are more, they're healthier. They don't have as many multi-system complications, hypertension and, and um, diabetes uh, as, as adults do after they've lived for many decades. 
At the same time, we worry about the long-term complications of the medications we're using. There's special implications with regard to fertility, with regard to growth, with regard to steroids when we use those, or we haven't used rituximab for decades. What are the long-term implications of medications like that on the immune system? Will it suppress it down the line? Could that cause problems? So we want to provide the most up-to-date literature. We're going to have links to literature for the families. And uh, we're going to talk about many other areas that we feel apply to kids and their parents, which I can go into if you like. Uh, oh, so we would, I mean, we would, we would love to, we would love to be as thorough as possible. For example, education. I know that with adult sites, people are concerned about a livelihood, how they're going to get to their job every day. And, uh, and kids, how are they going to get to school? That's their job is to be in school. What, how can we help the parents to know what um, uh, resources are available, like 504 plans? Um, individual education plans, how would they go about for homebound education, which we've had much more in the past year, and who knows what will be happening with regard to protecting kids from infection that may be immunocompromised. How do we deal with absences, vaccines, uh, and how do we educate teachers to know what's going on? The teachers have to be aware that the child's not malingering, but they're real issues. Um, they may be limited in their physical education participation, how does it affect their peer interactions at school? So those are some of the educational areas that we're going to be looking at. One of the biggest sections is living with vasculitis. And actually that term, uh, I don't remember what the term was before, but that came from one of the mentors, the, the VF mentors. They say, I think living with vasculitis really describes the challenge that we have. And the, we're going to be looking at the impact on the kid, on the young person. And what does that mean? How they deal with fatigue, anxiety from having a diagnosis that they just heard about depression, not being able to do the regular things kids do, body image changes because they're often on corticosteroids, how it affects their social life and how it impacts um, uh, young children versus adolescents versus kids going off to college. How do they go off to college? What kind of special arrangements do we have to make? Uh, living with vasculitis is definitely the family because the family is integral to the success of how we can treat the patient. We treat the whole family many times. Caregiver fatigue was something that was brought up by the parents. They said, we want to understand more about that and how to deal with it. Financial stresses, changing jobs, not having insurance um, because of um, you know, prior diagnoses. It's very difficult. Sibling needs. We often have uh, the kids that are siblings bouncing off the wall are very needy because their other sibling who has a diagnosis is getting more attention. And we want to help educate the parents, have them uh, help their relatives, grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins understand what's going on. And we want to also be proactive and have the patient, the, the young person become proactive for themselves by getting involved in uh, physical activities as much as tolerated, rehab services, yoga, relaxation techniques, nutrition. That's so important for all our kids, but especially kids that are on all these medications and have, um, you know, are more limited in some of the things they can do. We want to provide information on mental health support systems and resources. Uh, so those are some of the things and uh, I can provide more unless you have 
(laughs) What's funny, I'll I'll jump in so you can catch your breath here for a second. What what is just so fascinating about all those things that you mentioned, and as you also include, that's that's not the, the full extensive list, just that there, it's almost like there's a couple subsets here of, of the site where you've got obviously the, the strictly medical, the sort of journalistic type uh, articles that are going to be in that are the real, the, the real meat and potatoes, as you say, the not trying to you know, re, uh, you know, redefine the wheel here and looking to get the, the basic necessities that people are going to need. But there is also such a big part of the site that is obvious from what, what you described that is certainly goes beyond like from your your vantage point as a as a physician and as somebody trying to care for patients that there might be insights that you you aren't really able to share because you're not a you know obviously you were not a patient you just have the experience dealing with it i i'm just curious too you built up such an you know impressive group of people you mentioned all the different types of of researches that you wanted to contribute just on the on the kind of the raw literature side of this and the specifics within each disease but how does the whole process go about when when you're coming at this from you know, your, your academic background and the research perspective of, all right, now we need to get some young adults in here. We need to get people who are familiar with the, the whole patient, the whole family uh, setup. I mean, it obviously, from what you say, there are so many different directions you could go and, and we're certainly wanting to cover with a site like this. How did that process even begin though, where you're trying to find out other people that are not people you're probably interacting with in your, in your circles within research on a day-to-day basis? That's a very good question, and it's not easy. I feel that the families are very motivated. We have some wonderful families. We'd like to increase that number because they bring different perspectives in. We are trying to have some teams. For example, we have a team, a doctor and a a young mentor and a social worker, and they're working on transition and a nurse. Transition. How do we get the young adult who's been cared for by their parents and maybe over pampered and overprotected? So they may not have the independence. They may have special maturity because they've had to be mature. They've had to go faster than their peers, but they may not have had the independence. And all of a sudden they have to be the one filling their scripts, making the appointments, making sure they're covered. Uh, although the parents help with coverage uh, insurance wise, but they wanna go off to college. Where should they go off to college? So we, we wanna make sure that the transition process is good. And as they graduate to the adult world of medicine, because I think um, I love internists and adult rheumatologists, but they often just receive these kids and expect them to just uh, take off with their care. And it's, they aren't always ready to do this. So the transition process really starts when they're teenagers. And we start to help them to become more knowledgeable in how to take care of themselves, start to make appointments, start to be responsible for their meds. Do they know what their medications are, their doses? And uh, we have some, uh, some scoring sheets that we can use to assess how ready, how transition ready they are. But so for example, the team of people that come from different, the, the nurses and the doctors and social workers and some, and some young mentors, they're gonna to work together to come up with a transition section. Because I don't think that one particular a talent can come up with the different aspects because it is um, so broad and we won't think of those things. Right, um, well, that's a great point you make too, that this is such a, a progressively thinking website. It is not strictly just trying to get the literature out there and, and putting it all in one place. It, it seems to be so much more than that. And I, for anybody, of the, especially in the that young adult or in the teenage kid range who was diagnosed in, in that 
in that age range with vasculitis, I think of myself being diagnosed at 20 and, and all the number of resources that, you know, in retrospect, you wish you would have had this I mean, certainly checks off a lot of the boxes. And uh, I know one aspect too of, of the site, the, the part I'm, I've been helping out with just because, you know, I'm your, I'm the resident broadcaster, whatever. I, you know, I, I totally accept that. It's totally cool. I've, I've been helping out with the patient testimonials here and it really has been uh, tremendous to interview these people. And we've done We've recorded several already, and we're kind of in the process, uh, as you obviously know of, but to share with the listeners, of, of recruiting other patients as well and their families and, and having just spoken with someone in Australia and someone, I believe, in Hungary from a few weeks ago and another young, uh, young girl here in the States. It is just amazing to get that perspective and to also know, like, you're able to, not, not only are you recording this and you're able to share it in a, in a full testimonial, but you, you know from the patient side of things, that, as I do, that that kind of impact goes so, such a long way because it kind of goes back. I'm, you know, mentioning Chicago and I welcomed you on. I mean, it's such a, you know, dear place in my heart because I remember that that's the first time I got to meet anybody from the VF and, and how those relationships were forged. And you do realize just how a long, long away that goes. So while the, certainly the strictly medical part and, and that aspect of the site are incredibly, incredibly important, there's definitely this human aspect that I, I, I get the sense that uh, you know, not to diminish the work of so many other great websites, because they have done a tremendous job of providing the resources that have really been been beneficial for us as a vasculitis community over the years. But it doesn't really seem like that that patient to patient connection really exists. And it at least seems like that's another part of the site that you clearly thought about when when designing it that you, you knew, especially on that young fami family level would be so, so important in all this. You definitely got to my favorite part of the whole website, which is the testimonials. Oh, you're okay. you know, no, it's, it's you're really true because I think it's unique. I think that families will really benefit from watching it. And one thing that happened at the very first meeting three years ago or four years ago with the families is they said that they want to have some, a realistic explanation of what's going on, what to expect. They don't want it sugarcoated, but they do want it to be somewhat optimistic, showing them that after going through these induction therapies and then being on maintenance, that there are so many things that are um, available now that uh, weren't before, that uh, they can really have a, a very normal life with special attention given you know, throughout their life to their medical care. But but can really do so much. And I think that that's one thing that the VF has done so well at these gatherings and be wonderful when we can gather in person again because they meet other people. You know, when you were 20, maybe you knew nobody with this and now you know people and it just makes a difference. You're not alone in the world. I did not know anybody uh, when, I, when I was diagnosed. And uh, yet I, well, you say about not wanting to sugarcoat things, it's a great reality that, uh, that I'm glad people in the, the first discussion processes of this whole site and this whole project brought up because yes there are a number of challenging frustrating really in, in a sense depressing stretches that you do you do deal with as a patient but at the same time there is that sense that it's you know it's not fake to promote the whole idea of there being a light at the end of the tunnel because there are I mean, there are are facets of this disease that you do get used to living with and you're able to move on and uh, and, and live the rest of your life so it's, it's been an honor for me to, to help out with that. I, the, I'm, I, that's why I'm excited for the site to launch, first off, because uh, not only to see everything come together, but to be able to present the, the testimonials we've recorded, get those out on, on the worldwide web, so to speak, get people uh, able to see them. 
I'm really excited about that. And I certainly don't want to take all the time on this talking just the site, but the last thing I'll ask you on this, I because you, you mentioned it, it's still kind of an evolving thing. At this point, are there still you're still looking for some sort of uh, there are still certain sectors of this right where you're still actively looking for uh, for contributors. Is that right? We can always take contributors. Uh, everyone who's doing it is taking time off from their regular schedule, whether they're uh, families that are working full time or kids in school, and and the docs. They're not going to get promoted. It's not like they're publishing in major journals. So it's really out of the goodness of their heart to try to provide this service for families. And once it's up there, it, it'll take, you know, obviously some work to keep it updated, but the hard work is putting it together initially to, to launch. And we think that to launch, we'll need to have the specific pediatric vasculity entities that I mentioned before, the chronic ones that we see in kids, have that done and living with vasculitis. And the other things will add on as we complete it. And so we're just encouraging people to get it in. And once all, all the submissions are in, we have to review it to make sure that it's at a level that uh, the general population can understand. And also that there aren't any major conflicts. I don't think there will be. We have wonderful people working with us. We're welcoming new families, new perspectives. Is there anyone that wants to participate? We're so happy to have um, their input because there's always things to do. We will have a section on what's happening in research because that's really where it's at. Um, when you know, 40 years ago, when we started out, we were treating with PO cytoxin and we were very excited to have that and high doses of steroids, like for, with regard to GPA. And the prognosis was pretty tough, you know, and, and there were complications with uh, the oral cytoxin. And then we got high B cytoxin and we didn't know how long to treat with the cyclophosphamide. We didn't know how long to treat with the maintenance meds. There's much better data now. And, uh, and then rituximab wasn't used, I think, until 2001, and there wasn't any study on it really till close to 10 years later. So we're very happy to have much better um, treatments. We're going to be collecting as part of a different aspect of what we're doing through um, the CARA organization. We're going to be having consensus treatment plan going forward where we're going to be uh, collecting biospecimens so that when their research proposals put in and there's more evidence of what we should be looking for to help us predict who's going to respond to which medications, what complications to expect, et cetera. Uh, so there's a, a lot more that is uh, happening in the field. And I think it's much better, so much better than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and uh, so that's, that's so encouraging. The, the only other thing I would add is that one of the reasons we're working, um, our other project is consensus treatment plans. So we can gather significant data from many different medical centers in our pediatric population, newly diagnosed patients with ANCA associated vasculitis is because there really is no randomized controlled study in pediatrics vasculitis, pediatric vasculitis. It doesn't exist. You can't do it. It's too rare. And so if we have three or four patients a year at one center, there's no way to do that research. So we really need to pull our resources. And Dr. David Cabral at British Columbia has a, um, a something called pediatric PEDVAS, it's called pediatric vasculitis um, project. And he's helping to gather the data. And that's very, very important uh, because after we do all these things with the website, we also wanna show that we're making progress in understanding the best way to approach these kids. Right, I mean, you say even in the last 20 years, I would say, look at uh, even in the last seven years, I, I was a cytoxin prednisone uh, patient. And that was, I mean, 2014 was, was my diagnosis for EGPA. And 
uh, as you say, prognosis, it was, it was not great. It was not, not a fun time for that first uh, year or so that I was, uh, I was on that. And, and uh, yeah, the heavy, heavy uh, doses of those couple of drugs. But uh, you think about too, just mentioning the, the, the trying, the, the desire of progress post, uh, you know, reveal of the website and just how this kind of bakes in and, and formulates to all the other projects you've been working on. And uh, for, for you having spent time, you spent your time as a reviewer in, in some senses for different publications, and you certainly know the intricacies and the, I know you were kind of laughing when I was saying like, oh, the ACR, why wasn't it out uh, you know, a year ago? And you're like, oh, Ben, you just, you know nothing. Uh, but with your experience with this, when you think about now going forward and, and how we are obviously making so many strides on the research front, what are the challenges that you see when you think about the different vasculitides? You think about how many are within the general umbrella of, of vasculitis as a whole. What, what makes it difficult to keep things updated in, in, a, in, in, that, in that forward moving basis where it's one thing to just get things out there and publish, but certainly you know, another to get everything updated and, and the most up-to-date thing for anybody new who is getting diagnosed? I think that uh, the project that we have with consensus treatment plans is probably the way to go in pediatrics where you have a rare disease and you need to have many medical centers contribute data. So for example, CARA has sites mostly from Canada and, America and the USA and they're also collecting, PDVS is also collecting data from PRES, which is Pediatric Rheumatology European Society. And they have many centers too. So we need to work with our friends across the pond because we need to gather that type of data that you can't do in pediatrics. You have to, you can only do it in adults. And even those studies are very hard and every study takes a long time. Uh, we have much better computer systems to analyze the data. And we're gonna make sure that we have the bio samples. Uh, to really make more strides. In, in evaluating kids with vasculitis, first you have to realize that the palate is very broad. And so we have to make sure that we're utilizing criteria that really gets as pure a disease category as possible. So you're not looking at apples and oranges as you're treating. So you need to do that. You need to have other tools in place which have been developed specifically for pediatrics extrapolated from the adult uh, research world. For example, if you can't evaluate accurately how active a disease is in trying to evaluate how they're responding to a medication, they can't really say how well the medication's working. So we have something called PVAS, which is Pediatric Vasculitis Activity Score. And we need to make sure that we educate other rheumatologists and pediatric rheumatologists that participate in research studies to do accurate assessment because we have to rely on their data. So if we're going to publish data, if we're gonna be putting forth um, good data and information, we have to make sure what we get in is excellent quality. So we have to make sure the people contributing on the patients that they enroll in any registry, for example, uh, that their data is good. We have to teach them how to do these assessments like the PVAS um, scoring system. Right. So that's a challenge because you wanna make it as uh, uniform as possible. It's much easier to research in juvenile arthritis. You count how many active joints there are. Maybe you do ultrasound of the joints and, they, and then you count it and you see what their sed rate is. It's vasculitis is much more challenging. You, it's very hard to look at the vessels and always know what's going on. And the lab studies are very nonspecific often. And that's one of the things we want to have is more specific lab studies. And one of actually our, our previous guests we had on the podcast, Dr. Jessica Bloom, who I know uh, you are familiar with. She kind of represents the, of the many 
uh, the younger physicians coming up who are so eager to learn and especially apply what, what they've learned about vasculitis to the pediatric sector. And we, Kaylee and, and I, we had an outstanding conversation with her in our, our last episode. I know there were some of, because that research is still ongoing as well, just in, in general that you touched on. I know there were some things too in that that, uh, that you've been working on as well. And as you've kind of cut back from, from your general uh, you know, hospital assignments in a, as a whole, I know you are still though very passionate about some of these recent uh, some of these recent recent shows of progress that are are going forward. I know Dr. Bloom touched on some of those, but I'm sure you have some things to add uh, on that too. Yeah. So Dr. Bloom is one of the up and coming people in the world of pediatric vasculitis because we actually now have vasculitis fellowships in pediatrics, and so those groups of people that are doing that are going to be the leaders over the next uh, decade or so. And uh, Dr. Bloom and I've worked with uh, Dr. Cabral and several other people. And it was a, uh, we published an article in Arthritis Care and Research in March of this year uh, that's titled Childhood Arthritis and Rheumatology Research Alliance Consensus Treatment Plans for Severe Pediatric Ankh Associated Vasculitis. And um, realizing we can't have randomized controlled studies in pediatrics, we put together dichotomous treatment plans. We look, we pulled from the adult data and research and we said we have to have um, remission induction and remission maintenance. We pulled from their data. We also uh, put together um, a survey uh, in 2016 or something like that, that looked at what are the treatment approaches that we're using now in our pediatric rheumatology community. And we found there's a myriad of them. Some use oral cytoxins, some use high dose cytoxin IV, some use rituximab, some use mycophenolate, some use it for three months, some use it for six months, some use a little bit of mouse steroids, some use a lot of pulse steroids. And we kind of pulled what people were doing most often, because if you're going to have people enroll in what we call consensus treatment plans, which is what the published article was about, you need to have them feel comfortable with what we propose to use for remission induction, what we propose to use for remission maintenance. And uh, we got wonderful um, uh, approval from the CARA organization. And now we're just working on funding and we're going forward and we're gonna start enrolling patients in these consensus treatment plans. You wanna get a you know, hundred or so kids and then be able to analyze the data and be able to give better recommendation to our peers on how to approach these kids, what to look for, what complications and where you might feel like you're having success. I was saying quite the title first off of, of, the, of the article. Uh, maybe, maybe get like a subheading in that, but I'm not I'm not one to uh, I'm not gonna second guess. That's a very, very, uh, very thorough, but also very exciting the project that uh, that you, Dr. Bloom, working on and just the uh, the website as a whole. I feel like there's so many, you know, there's so many intricacies that we could get into as well, but I realize we've you know, abused up the bulk of our time. Uh, already, and I know uh, how much Kaylee is, is, is has been excited to be a part of that website as well, and uh, and I, I would say the same thing. So we're I'm really excited to see how as we get into 2022, and certainly we uh, we're all as you mentioned, we're excited first off just to get back to being able to meet everybody and, and see people in person, which we will get to do this July in in your home city in Chicago at the uh, the 2022 Vasculitis Foundation of the International Symposium, but also just the ongoing development of a the pediatric research in general and. And B, this website, which as, as we've kind of covered here, just feels like it's got all the ingredients to be a, a total game changer, especially for families of, of those who, who, uh, who get diagnosed early. So with, with all that being said, it certainly feels like an exciting time as we get into 20, 2022 to be involved like you are and, and be a research in, in overall pediatric vasculitis. 
You're absolutely right. It's uh, been very positive. It's been it's been a really wonderful experience working with the teams and working with the families and working with Joyce and your whole group. And I think that uh, um, there's uh, definitely good changes and, and with all the new approaches research-wise and the biologics, it's, it's a totally changed field. And, and we sometimes when we get a little frustrated because things aren't working out like we want, uh, we just have to look back a little bit and say, well, we have come far, but we also have better directions of where our next steps are. And uh, so it's, it's a good time to um, you know, be in this field, I would say. Certainly so. And this is this has been a podcast, speaking of excitement, I've been, been a long time in the making. We know how busy you are. So we are extremely grateful of you to take the time to join us here. And a great guest to wrap up. This is our second season of our podcast. So we want to thank you so much, uh, Dr. Bagdawan, for taking the time. Cannot wait to actually get to see you in person this summer. And thank you. I and, and, the, and so many others within the VF will be uh, planning to attend, as well as a number of our guests that we've had on this, on this second mm -hmm. season. Uh, of the, the Vasculitis Visionaries podcast. So thank you so much. Continue the great hard work. I, I, I look forward to our next, uh, our continuing collaboration on our, our monthly meetings there. And uh, before we know it, site's going to be live. How about that? That'll be so exciting. And so absolutely, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Have a happy holiday and a healthy year to you and all the listeners. Mm -hmm.